confidence is an essential quality to be an effective leader. And in today's podcast, we talked to Ben Foskey, author and coach of Authentic Confidence. We talk about what authentic confidence is and how you can build it to become the leader and the person you want to be. Welcome back to the Stop the Vanilla podcast. I'm Steve Van Remortal. This podcast will give you the knowledge, the templates, and the practical steps to achieve what you want in your business, your career, and your life by having the right plan implemented by the right talent. Welcome to the Stop the Vanilla podcast. Now, one of the greatest sources for learning is through other successful leaders. You know, to interview leaders that are really achieving their business, their career, and their life goals with the right plan and the right talent. You know, for a leader to share their story and share one of their key principles of their success. And on today's podcast, I'm really excited to welcome Ben Foskey to the Stop the Vanilla podcast. Welcome, Ben. Yeah, welcome. Thanks for having me. So we appreciate you taking some of your valuable time with us today uh, and share your story and your story of authentic confidence. And I'm really excited to share this with our listeners because there's a lot of great takeaways today. So to set the stage, let me just quickly talk about what we're going to cover here. So, so Ben's written a book and is a coach on authentic confidence. And we're going to talk about what authentic confidence is and what maybe are some of the misperceptions in that and how do you get there in authentic confidence and what it can do to build, uh, build your career and candidly build a great life. Uh, and so that's what we're going to cover today. And I'm really excited about sharing it with you. I just finished reading Ben's new book, Authentic Confidence. I actually finished reading it last night and I took a lot out of it. And uh, I'm really excited about sharing that with you, with our, our listeners today. So Ben, welcome to uh, the podcast. And we always like to start off with, with our guests telling their story because um, everybody's got a great story, and um, we always talk about hearing someone's story takes us from zero to 60 on getting to know somebody. And before we hear about authentic confidence, uh, tell us your story, and, and that will lead into how you got here. Yeah, yeah, awesome. So when I graduated from college, I had eight jobs in eight years. So my dad told me I should just write does not play well with others on the top of my resume and just let people know what they're in for. So when I was about to quit my eighth job, I was realizing, uh, my wife would say, it's amazing how you found eight horrible jobs in a row. And they weren't all horrible. But what I realized is I had to do some internal reflection. I had to look at what was going on with me that was causing this turnover to happen. And what I found, the core root of it was confidence issues. And I had a great friend and mentor that said, Ben, you got two options. You can check out and just sort of go through the motions like most people do in their careers, or you can put a pause and do the work to say, what does it look like to love your work and start researching and reading about people who love their work and what were they doing that you're missing? And so luckily for those around me, I chose option two. My wife was sort of tired of hearing my misery every day and driving around the parking lot eight times because I didn't want to go into the office and so I started to really study and, and research leaders. And, but here's what I found was troubling. So I started to read autobiographies from leaders. And fortunately, I'd read about Mother Teresa in the morning, and I'd read about Jack Welch in the afternoon. And then I'd say, okay, I'm more confused now than ever because they're giving me opposite advice, and this isn't helpful to me. And so what I found was interesting was recording artists. 
because I knew I had some confidence issues that I need to overcome. And recording artists, no matter how famous their parents were, they still had to go through their own journey from obscurity to influence. They still had to, there was nothing handed to them where other leaders I'd read about and they'd say, you know, and the only thing I got from my dad was a $40 million business. That's it. That's all I had to start with. And I'd say, wow, that sounds rough. Yeah, it does. I got $30 in my bank account right now. Uh, where recording artists, they had this fascinating journey where they had to dis discover themselves and how do they, how do they handle criticism and how do they create something from nothing? And so I really related to that. So I became fascinated and I spent thousands of hours researching recording artists and I found they all followed the same pattern. And this pattern, I said, well, I've got nothing to lose. So I applied it to my own career. And in pretty short order, I went from hating my work and dreading it to learning to love it, to being excited, to waking up every morning, going, rolling up my sleeves. And this is awesome. And friends and family around me noticed things were really different. I went from being depressed to being excited. And so they asked me questions about it. And fast forward after uh, coaching thousands of people on it uh, process, I, I founded an, the organization Rise Leadership and now teach authentic confidence uh, and help out at St. Norbert College teaching the same thing and just really excited about, you know, watching the transformation that I went through. I'm, I'm a journeyer with people on this, watching this transformation. It's, it's an addiction. It's amazing. It's, it's so rewarding to be a guide and to be a, you know, somebody that can help somebody just get a different perspective that Work doesn't have to be something you hate. You know, you can really learn to love it, but often it takes some somebody else and a fresh set of eyes to help you get there. So uh, I've had that, I've had coaches play huge roles for me. And so now I'm just really honored to give back to, to help other people do the same thing. And I still have coaches to this day that are helping me work through what I'm going through. So, and, and, and you're one of those, Steve, you've been <laughs> yeah. a huge, uh, a uh, guide to me along, you know, authoring a book and, and coaching me through the process of consulting and running a business. So I just want to give you a huge shout out for, you know, being a bit like a big brother to me in the journey. So yeah. I appreciate Ben that. and I, Ben and I go way back and we, we, um, we, we used to get together often. Um, but now, as you can see, <laughs> we're doing this uh, virtual thing because we're right in the middle of this uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Um, but that doesn't that doesn't mean we got to stop advancing our business. It doesn't mean we have to stop advancing who we are as leaders. And and that's what I really um, really took away from the book was um, you giving people a process to really shore up and become more confident in who they are. So um, so you you ex you have this continuum in the book, and you talk yeah. about there's overconfidence and there's underconfidence. Um, and then there's authentic confidence. So explain explain those three, I guess, um, variations yeah. of the on the continuum of confidence. Yeah, yeah. And there's a model in the book that we look at. So all of us pick the topic, and we're going to have confidence challenges. Um, you know, if as soon as you elevate to a new position, congratulations, you're probably going to have some confidence challenges. And what happens is we all we're, we're, we can be triggered by different things that cause us to react with over or underconfidence. So, whenever so for example, when I first started doing what I do, I went into a meeting and I looked fairly young, and I had a person in the back that asked me what grade I was in, <laughs> and then he asked me if my dad was going to come and finish the session later. Nice. And then he said, "Or are you just out on recess? You know, how long are you here for? Because when does recess end?" Well. 
I was five minutes into this sort of work and overwhelmed and intimidated. And so that triggered all sorts of confidence issues for me. And so when that happens, we typically don't show up well. We, we go through this cycle of over and under confidence. And I'll give you another example. When I was teaching my youngest daughter how to ride a bike. And I'm running alongside of her, and I taught her three older sisters, and I, I let her go. And she hits the gravel and wipes out in the grass. Now, does she say, Dad, I take full responsibility for my lack of equilibrium. Thank you so much for your guidance, but I didn't quite make it this time. No, what does she say? Dad, how do you not know how to do this? How do you not know how to teach me how to ride a bike? Well, what's happening is, what's really going on here? She's afraid I may be the one person in our family that never learns how to ride a bike. What happens if I'm the, the one person that can't figure this out? So she's feeling underconfident. And often when we're feeling vulnerable and underconfident, we respond in the opposite and overconfidence. What's wrong with you? There's blame. There's judgment. And so as I saw this happening in organizations, there wasn't really a great framework to talk about it. You know, there's dangerous words like arrogance and insecurity. Those aren't helpful. Those are labels. Those are harsh. And so I found over and underconfident language just really normalized it. Totally normal for someone to say, you know, Ben, you seemed a little underconfident in that presentation, or Ben, you seemed a little overconfident in how you presented what's happening there. That's a conversation that I love to, that, that there's movement there. And it helps me regulate and find that sweet spot of authentic confidence. And what I was finding is a lot of people would write, you know, and I love all these books, Ego is the Enemy and no ego and these great books and servant leadership those are great and that deals with lowering the ego and there's other books you know talking about you know be a champion be you be authentic yeah. be real Build however i found there wasn't really one book that brought those two concepts together to say we're on a continuum so it's not either or it's not you know i've, I've mentioned this before but but teaching someone who's already serving to be a servant leader is not great coaching they need to advocate. They need to find their voice. And others that are on the other end of the, the, the overconfident end of the spectrum, teaching them to take charge and be a leader isn't great advice. We're going to teach them empathy and listening and asking great questions. So in my journey, really, I found I was on the spectrum and helping other people understand where they are and, and that it's situational. It's a myth to say we're, over, we're overconfident in all areas or underconfident in all areas. We're moving on that continuum all the time. Put me put me in a, in a situation, you know, put me in a parenting situation, I'm going to be underconfident. They're hard. Raising kids is hard. You know, put me in a situation where I'm coaching someone around confidence issues, I'm going to feel pretty comfortable. I got a lot of experience with that. So we're all moving up and down on this uh, spectrum. So if I can just summarize that so we can move on to some of the core topics here, but in every leader, in every person, there's areas of overconfidence, there's areas of underconfidence, and then there's that sweet spot we call authentic, that you call authentic yes. confidence, correct? Yes, exactly. Okay. So exactly. There's, there's six confidence profiles that you've identified in people. And um, so and they're from what, so I'll start on the left end here. You got peacekeeper, friend maker, inquisitor, negotiator, driver, and convincer. So yeah. Uh, so I took your self-assessment, um, and I was a driver. Um, duh. <laughs> <laughs> Shocking surprise there, wow. right? <laughs> that was a breakthrough for me there. Yeah. Um, why is it important for someone to know their, their confidence profile? Yeah. 
So when you talk about authentic confidence, it's your version. That's why there isn't a one size fits all. Uh, and this is what I found really interesting, even in my own family, because confidence is biological. So UCLA has done a bunch of research. We're actually born with a confidence disposition towards optimism or, or pessimism. You know, there, there's a biological, that's why you see if siblings, one can be very, very overconfident, others can be under. There's a biological disposition. So how you commute, how authentic confidence looks like for you is based on who you are. That's why it's authentic confidence, because only you have that version of that. So what I found was people kept asking me, Ben, I, I like, I like the theory, but where am I, where am I overconfident or underconfident? What's my style? How, how does, you know, they, so what I did was I went through a process with Dr. Dave Weggy from St. Norbert college and we created uh, the confidence profiles based on the data from the thousands of people that we had interviewed and coached over the years. And we created these six confidence profiles. So now people go, Oh, this is my bias. This is where I start from. So how does a peacekeeper communicate authentic confidence? It's very different than a convincer. And it starts with knowing what your tendencies and your biases are. So as you mentioned, you're a driver, right? So you're going to come in high energy, making it happen, you know, moving. And, and what's a little different, there's a lot of other assessments. Like there's the DISC profile, which I'm certified in, and it's awesome. There's many other um, assessments out there. And those really say, Here's who you are. This is how you're wired. The and, and the confidence continuum really shows you how all six profiles interrelate with each other. So even though I'm a peacekeeper, what, is it, what does it look like to communicate with a convincer? And how do I move up and down this continuum based on the situation and based on what I'm dealing with? So as an example, there are times that peacekeepers need to advocate for themselves. And that is not natural. Nothing in them feels like they should speak up in this meeting. Nothing in them feels like they should say something. However, in those moments, to have authentic confidence, the room needs that voice to be heard, and they need, to, they need the coaching and, equip and the tools to say, I need to say something right now. And on the flip side, the convincer, what they need to understand is sometimes I need to listen and empathize and get collaborate in the room and hear the best ideas. And I, My idea isn't always necessarily the best idea. So once you know where you start, then you can move up and down the continuum based on what's happening in that situation. So what, what's the feedback to the driver then? Um, talk to me about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the driver, you know, and I'm a driver, full disclosure. So you and I are in the same camp. So no judgments. Not That's a one, we're not talking the one wooden golf here. Yeah, we're, exactly, we're talking... <laughs> yeah. So this is, you know, this is where, where, you know, what I love about the profiles is there isn't, there isn't a right or wrong answer, you know. Your profile doesn't mean, oh, we should all be this profile. That's how you're designed. That's how you're wired. And for drivers, we're going to get things done. We're going to move. We're going to, we give the illusion that we're listening. We're really good at that. We give the impression that we're listening. My wife will remind me of this often. And when we're at our best is when we can slow down just a pace to go, I hear you. I get you. You know, the peacekeepers are great balancers. The friend makers are great balancers for us to make sure we're slowing down to go, you know, fast alone, far together, right? You know, how do we, how do we get there together uh, is really what the driver's about. But bring great, brings great energy and passion to the, to the work. So you're doing awesome, Steve. Yeah, thank you. So there's a, there's a free assessment that you offer. We'll put it in the notes of the show here so that anybody that's listening uh, can take that free assessment and see what profile they are. 
Yeah. Um, all right. So that's awesome. So that will be included in the show notes for anybody that wants to take the free assessment to see what your confidence profile is. Now, you get the confidence profile. You understand. I understand I'm a driver. And I'm going to put myself out here a little bit um, and kind of walk through your process and talk about things maybe where I have overconfidence, authentic confidence, and yeah. underconfidence. All right? Yeah. So be, awesome. So be, be easy on me, coach. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so people were asking... People are asking for, where do I fit, right? Where do I fit, Ben, you're talking about? So we created the confidence profiles. It doesn't end there, though. That's just your bias. That's just your tendency. So there's still situations that we all deal with, you know, that, that we need to understand. So the, there's uh, the authentic confidence quotient. Right, that's right. What happens, yeah. yeah, so what happens next is, once we know our profile, so what? What do we do with it? What's the plan from here for me to get better at learning how to communicate with authentic confidence in my profile? And so in the, the authentic confidence quotient, what you do is you evaluate your entire role. What at are the work. responsibilities you're, you're, at work? Okay. What, are you, what are your responsibilities? At, what are you responsible for at work? And let's list them all out. And what's your level of confidence in each one of those? Because again, the myth is someone that's overconfident is overconfident in every area of their life. And that just isn't the case. In very rare occasions, you know, there's something called narcissism. There's rethinking narcissism. Dr. Craig Malkin wrote that book. There are people that can be on that extreme end in all areas. Those are the exceptions far more than the rule. We all have areas. So you list all those roles. Where am I overconfident? Where am I authentically confident? Where am I underconfident? Okay. So that, again, using me as the guinea pig here. So yeah. I'm, I'm on page 94 of your book. I see the authentic confidence quotient. So a role, a role, um, and this organization is creating the vision. I feel yeah. authentically confident there. Like that's yep. I'm home there. I obviously need the team to do it and be part of it and do it together. But I feel real authentic there. Um, uh, one of the areas that I seek growth is on the emotional intelligence side. You know, we have that mm -hmm. assessment that we use here too, and really that empathy piece and really. Yeah. Because my, my driver's style wants to solve the problem, wants to get it done, but I oftentimes will not take time to f see, you know, how you doing, you know, where are you at? Yeah. Um, yep. And so that would be, that would be underconfidence in that area, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So then once you, once you, first off, kudos to you for having the self-awareness to know that, right? That's where it all starts. All self-awareness, all self-assessments start with. I want to get better. I want to grow. There's no judgment there. It's just a perspective to go, okay, if I'm honest with myself, I'm not feeling great about how I do in this area. And then there's typically a limiting belief associated with that. So I don't have time to check in with people. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm busy cranking the revenue for the business. I'm not I'm, wired you know, that way. I'm uh, not wired that way, right? <laughs> it's a waste it's, of it's time. Not, yeah. yeah, it's not natural to me. <laughs> I, I don't need that. So why should other people need that? So we have all these limiting beliefs that embed that behavior for us that aren't helpful. Uh, so the first step is to go, so what is my limiting belief in this area? So for Steve, it might be, you know, I'm not wired that way. I don't need that, or I don't have the time for that, or I'm focused on other things, right? So my question to you would be, what is your limiting belief there? What stops you from really slowing down and checking in and really listening to where people are at? That's the question that I would ask. And it's probably... Um, my answer to that question is, is um, it, it could take, we're going to waste some time here. You know, like yeah. we're going to be 20 minutes into the meeting and everyone's looking at their watch and we're, we're still right. having a conversation about how we're feeling from last weekend. You know? <laughs> right. 
Right. So that, so that's, so, so your limiting belief would be there is at times I feel like it's a waste of time, right? It could be. So yes, that, yeah. So that's your, not always, but your limiting belief here would be there's sometimes I feel like it's a waste of time. And so then you go, okay, well that's honest. Now I need to dis- I need to think and reflect on that. So now I think back through past meetings and things, when was it effective? When was it ineffective? You know, and, our, and I'm getting feedback from people like, Steve, I feel like you're rushing us on to the next topic and asking your team, you know, do you feel that? And so now you're limiting. At times, it's a waste of time. And you go to the future, go, what do I want to feel? An example, in this case, you'd say, I want to take the time necessary to make sure my team feels connected and valued and important every time. That is never a waste of time. So my future goal is I'm going to spend the time necessary to make sure my team feels valued. Yeah, and that I care for them, right? And that, I care about I care them. Exactly them. Because right. Because I do care for them. I just don't always show it, right? Yeah, exactly. So the, fu- so, so the future yeah. goal is is um, take the first five minutes of every meeting to say, hey, how, you know, but it's five yes. minutes. It's not 15. Is that, does exactly that sound like right. a good and goal? Then, and then you're saying to them, and team, give, I'm giving you permission to give me feedback if you feel like I'm rushing it and not moving it and not, not allowing us there's a team member that needs an extra few minutes, we give it to them. Because you know what, that matters more than getting the first task done on our list. So that's exactly what we would do in the coaching process, Steve, is exactly right. Is Here's my issue, it's empathy. I'm underconfident in it. Sometimes I feel like it's a waste of time and I wanna make sure my team feels valued and yet we have a structure around it that I can feel good about. Boom, now you've taken an area of underconfidence and now you're moving it in. And when you talk about your team, so think about that in your team setting, when you share that then with your team that this is what we're working on, they're going to lean in. They're going to help you. They're going to support you. They're going to feel valued just by the fact you bring up, I'm struggling with this. They're already leaning in to help you figure that out. So you list all the key roles of a position. Talk about your current confidence level. And if it's overconfident or underconfident, you're going to identify the beliefs, the limiting beliefs. Yes. Yes. And then you're going to put a goal in place and then you're going to share those with your team so that then they know what you're working on, um, exactly. that you have the self-awareness and so forth. And you take you take one overconfidence or one underconfidence and you work on that, get better at it, and then you take another one and keep going. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's Once you have the blueprint, you just keep repeating that same process. And that's what I found fascinating is, is recording artists had the ones that were successful had certain core beliefs right? The bands that survived had certain core beliefs and, and they were pride in the work and humility in relationships. Okay. And you now, have those two aspects that creates the dynamic for authentic confidence to thrive. So, so that's an important point that I took out of the book is authentic confidence defined is what? It's pride in work plus humility in relationships. So and, you, it, and it has to be in that order. Okay, so you talk a, you talk a lot in your book about musicians. Give me a, yeah. an example of a band or a musician that had pride in their work, and then added uh, what was the second one? <laughs> yeah, humility and relationships. Humility and relationships. I'll, I'll right. give you my favorite example. You too, one of my favorite bands that I studied a lot of when they first started. They're very controversial. They're a political band, and they were getting commonly getting death threats. And one of them was a was a verified death threat. They had authorities involved that they said, if you sing this song, Bono, their lead singer, we are going to shoot you. And it was an outdoor concert, impossible to put security into. And so they had a decision in that moment to make, how important is our work? And they said, you know what? 
This, the music, we believe our music changes lives. We are not going to live out of fear. We believe it's the right thing to do. We're going to perform the song. So Bono gets out to perform the song. He starts singing the song. He's so nervous he has to close his eyes because he's like, well, here we are, but, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Sings the entire song. When he opens his eyes, his bassist, Adam Clayton, is standing in front of him. He stood there the entire song saying, this isn't about one person. This is about our team. This is the work that we do matters. We're going to hang in there. And yet we have humility in relationships. We know that this is about us and that if we care about each other, we're in this together. Just because he's the lead singer doesn't mean he should get all the grief. We're a band. We're a unit. And we stick up for each other. So there's lots of stories like that that I share in the book that proves out this concept. And, for example, like the Beatles, an amazing band, an amazing group, when they lost humility, another band, Oasis, when they lost humility, both of them said, we're bigger than Jesus. We're bigger than rock and roll. And guess what? Neither of them lasted a year from those comments. So as soon as you, as soon as the egos, yeah, as soon as the egos run unchecked in team settings, it's the most repelling behavior in any team is an unchecked ego. It's almost impossible to get over because it's such a, such a disempowering behavior when one person is grabbing the credit and taking the spotlight continually. So it's having those two things together. Yeah. It seems like pride in your work could uh, lead to ego and that's why you have to wrap the humility around it. Exactly right. So it has to start with pride in our work because this was the piece that I missed in my career. I had the humility in relationships. Until we have the pride in the work, our confidence is based on, when, if our confidence is just based on whatever is happening to us in that moment, then we're going to be a roller coaster. As soon as we know what we're good at and we've taken assessments to prove that we're good at, and you know, a lot of the assessments that you guys have, Steve, are awesome to say, we want to design you for a position where you can thrive and succeed. As soon as you have that piece down and you know, you're intrinsically, you know, you're competent and you're adding value. Now you have the foundation for confidence because it's based on the work that you perform. Now, when you have humility and relationships, people, you have a swagger, you have a, you walk into the room and there's an energy and there's an excitement you bring because you know that you're good at what you do. And, it, and it's an internal belief, not an external statement. You don't have to tell the world that you're great. One of my favorite stories of Ken Venturi won a, a, a US Open, won a major tournament. And his dad, he was telling his dad about it. And he said, son, when you're good, you'll tell everybody how good you are. When you're great, they'll tell you. So you don't have to communicate a lot of that greatness. It's an internal belief. I believe I'm a great coach. I'm a believe I'm a great a financial advisor. I believe I'm a great salesperson. I believe I'm a great teacher. I believe I'm a great, uh, you know, whatever that is. So once you get that core belief, that's the, that's the foundation of your confidence. Your shoulders come back. And now you're saying, it's not, I'm better than you are. It's I'm great at what I do. And you're great at what you do. Where can, what can we do? What can we accomplish? It's not, I'm better than you are. And that's where like we, people love Olympic athletes because they don't have that I'm better than you mentality. And sometimes professional athletes, why did the NBA people stop watching for many years? Because it felt like I'm better than you. It felt like a showboat fest. It wasn't team oriented. And so we, dis- we disconnect from that. But it doesn't mean we're, we're not disconnecting because they're not good at what they do. We're disconnecting because they don't have the humility to include their team. That's why we're riveted by Olympians. They're great at what they do and they have the humility piece. So those are the two that we need to wrap together but they need to be done in that order. Um, pride in your work is the foundation for confidence. It's not just being a great person and getting everyone to like you. You have to be competent. You have to deliver the result. 
both both results and relationships have to be in tandem to be successful. All right, and then the last the last feature or I guess technique or um, in your book is the career confidence guide. Yeah, and this is where you pick that one item that you're either overconfident or underconfident in, correct? Yes, exactly. and you walk through these five steps. So let's take my 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 desire to grow and my empathy. Yep, it's perfect. <laughs> Which is real. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, where I was when I was thirty, I was just an emotional idiot at the time, yeah. and at least I now recognize the need for it, and I've worked really hard at it, and I've measured my growth in that area. But it's something that doesn't come natural, so therefore, that's yeah. a limiting belief. But um, but it's something I got to keep working at. So the first stage is significant. So yeah. using my my desire to be better in empathy, how what does significant stand for? Yeah, and so and going back to what I love about this process is, Steve, you are not alone. There's no judgment in this. You know, a lot of people are nervous about confidence work because they're afraid people are going to get labeled or be called names. We're all on this journey. For me, advocacy was my was my biggest hurdle. I would sit in meetings and not say what I felt like I should, and I would you know, feel less than and feel like I'm not good enough and I'm not measuring up. And those are real things for me. So first off in this always, as we're going through this, that it's awesome that you're even at this place, having the vulnerability to say, I want to get better at this. So that, you know, there's no, no judgment that once you say, I want to get better at empathy, significance is the first thing is we really want to get a clear visual picture of what success looks like. So, so success I'll, I'll, looks like that the people that I'm closest to spend the most time with in my life uh, feel like Steve cares for them, that he wants yeah. to know where they're at. And that's awesome. So that's significant. So you write that down and you say, and I, and I, want, I want people without hesitating to see, oh, Steve cares for me, for me a ton. And I, and I, feel, I feel that. For First me. step is significance. Yep. And that's really, you know, what does it look like? Define the success. It's, it's, define it's what, what success looks like, right? Yeah, and it's, again, the recording artists, they had clear pictures. What does it look like when we're playing Carnegie Hall? What does it look like when we're at sold out stadiums? What does it look like when our song hits the radio? Like they, it was an emotional, when you, when you create significance, it should be an emotional response. You should picture what these relationships look like and feel like. Okay. The next step is competence. Okay. So yes. how does competence relate to my desire to get better at empathy? And this was the phase that I missed in my career. I just sort of was all trial and error. I went, oh, yeah, I want to get good at this, and I would try it. What, if you study what musicians did, they're all apprentices first. Every musician was a cover band first, 100%. None of them went from obscurity to influence on their own. They all mimicked their heroes. So if you look at every artist, the Beatles studied Buddy Holly. Uh, Elvis studied Muddy Waters. I mean, all of them had this mentoring process. And when we skip that step, our trial and error is too long. It takes way too long. So for you, competence, you could trial and error this for the rest of your life, and you would have incremental growth. But to see significant growth in this area, you have to find someone who lives empathy the way you would want to live it. They've been where you would like to go. They're living it every day and modeling it. You look at that and you go, man, I wish I had that skill. And you identify who that person is. Could be a famous person, could be an author, could be someone close to you. It's not famous in this situation, but I have a person I envision. Yeah. Uh, so that person, why did you pick them? Because they just they're very empathetic of other people. I mean, yeah. just brilliant at it. Yeah. Yeah. So they get it. So they are already modeling for you the behavior you want. 
here's the challenge though. People often get stuck, you know, definition of insanity, keep doing the same things over and over. They want to skip this stage. They want to say, ah, this person, I can figure it out. I can figure it out. But what happens is as soon as you introduce someone else into the problem, you instantly get inspiration and hope and a different angle on it. Because this person, chances are when you talk to them, first off, it's going to be honoring to them that you'd asked. They're going to be flattered that you think they do this well. And secondly, there's no way they became good at this by chance. They're intentional. They have strategies. They've implemented a process that works for them, proven over and over again because you've watched it happen. So you're asking them to take something. It might have taken them 20 years to perfect this in their own life. And you're getting fast-tracked on how to do that in yours. And almost every, almost 100% of the time, that person is going to be willing to share their insights with you. Uh, because because they're, you know, this is something that chances are they're going to be honored that you recognized it. I'm glad you noticed that. I've worked hard on this. That's cool. Thank you. You know, picture you, Steve, if somebody calls you and says, I love the way you run your consulting business. Can you help me? What does that feel like, right? It's like, yeah, I'm absolutely willing to help you. Um, so that's the confidence phase. All right. So we got significance, competence. Third step is authenticity. It's how will you know when you master this skill? How will it? How will you make it your own? Yeah. So this is where the recording artists move from cover bands to selling out arenas. It's when you make it your own. So now you've learned empathy from this person, but now you've learned it in your own style, in your own way. You've taken their advice and you've translated into your own unique way of delivering it. You know, so picture somebody gets taught how to be a public speaker. And originally, they're going to sound just like the person they get taught by. You'll watch them. It's, it's, it's very interesting. They'll have the same sort of stories, same sort of energy. Eventually, as they evolve, though, they'll have their own style. So, for example, the Bee Gees' first record, or the, the Beatles' first record sounded just like Buddy Holly. Their later records sounded nothing like that. The Bee Gees, who was a, a big band in the 70s, their early music sounded exactly like the Beatles. That's in the competence phase, but their authenticity, they sound nothing like the Beatles today. So that's authenticity is when you've made it your own. It's become genuine and authentic. And when you deliver, it doesn't feel forced. It feels natural. It feels like a part of who you are. All right. Fourth stage after authenticity is leverage. How will this skill change your career? How will it change your life? How will you celebrate and communicate your authentic confidence in this area? Yeah. So back to you for empathy. You've got somebody you learn from, and now you have your own version of empathy, and people are responding very well to you, and it doesn't feel strange. It feels natural. And in the leverage phase now, you really see that skill bearing fruit. You see it being successful. You see it changing your relationships. You see it changing your business. You're now articulating things with your team differently. Um, you're now communicating to others, hey, uh, here's some things that I've learned about empathy. And here's, here's, um, you're actually moving into teaching other people and it's, it's changing your business. You know, stop the vanilla business is, is rising and this, your business will hit a new level when you have increased levels of empathy because your clients are going to feel it. The relationships are going to feel it. Your team's going to feel it. So you will see, this is where you see the results happen. The first steps you typically won't. It's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of internal reflection. It's a lot of tough conversations. Leverage is where you see it. This is where the artists now, they move from having a first hit record, now in leverage they're selling out stadiums because no one sounds like Led Zeppelin. No one sounds like Adele. No one sounds like Taylor Swift. They, they've hit levels that they can leverage this new skill to improve the results of what they're working on. 
No one's going to be selling out stadiums for a little while here. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Which they is a huge to. bummer, man. Huge bummer. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> I just want to say that. The last step. Um, so first step is significance. And that's where you define what success looks like. Competence is where you get someone that's good at it to help you. Authenticity is where then you make it your own. Leverage is when you, how it changes you, how that skill change really helps your career in your life. And then the last step is empathy. Yeah. So interesting that empathy is the one you're working on. And it's the final stage, right? We didn't even plan that. But, you know, so when you think about empathy, the recording artists I admired most. So I talked a lot about the Beatles, Paul McCartney one of the Beatles would have absolutely no reason to record music with young artists, right? Has everything that he's ever wanted in his life. He has when a young recording artist calls him and wants to record, if he loves the music and the work they're doing, he says, yes, doesn't need to do that. So people asked him, why do you say yes? Why are you still recording music with these young up and coming artists? And he said, I never forgot when I was in Liverpool playing dive bars and couldn't afford to eat. He said, I don't ever regret, I don't ever forget where I came from. And if some artist needs help, I don't, I had people that helped me when I was in that point in my life and that was invaluable. I'm always going to be there for young artists. So not all, all artists, unfortunately, didn't all hit this phase. Some of them left, you know, it remained about them and their careers. But Paul McCartney will say today, he's having more fun now than ever, passing on the gift of songwriting and passing on the gift like it's a legacy piece. And so when, when we can know full circle, it's not just about finding authentic confidence for ourselves. How do we translate that to our kids? How do we translate that to our leaders and our supervisors? How do we have them empower the people that they're working with? Because to me, that's the ultimate rush, uh, you know, is when we can do that. And so for you, for empathy, once you learn it and master it, believe it or not, you'll be teaching it to other people and you're going to be giggling the whole way. And then your high school buddies are going to be like, you're teaching people what? Yeah. No way. Yeah. And it's because I, I'm coaching confidence because that was the biggest issue I had in my life. I, I know I have, I have a huge amount of empathy for people that struggle advocating for themselves. I've been there. I know what it feels like. I know it's not as easy as just do it. It's not as easy as just roll up your sleeves. We need some help along the way. So to me, I never forget what that felt like when I was ha having walks and, and checking those things out and, and struggling. I never forget what that looks like. So to me, that leads me to my next question. I, as we get close to wrapping up here, what, what was your greatest mistake as a leader to this date so far? Yeah, it, it was, it was not speaking up my voice. It was, it was, you know, having things to say and not feeling comfortable enough to say it. And I would drive home going, why didn't I say it? And, and if I was honest with myself, I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't feel at, feel like I, like I, I felt like whatever I was going to say, wasn't going to turn out well. And there's a lot of organizations and leaders that I think, uh, you know, feel that same way. They have something really important to say and just the dynamics of the team that they're in, they just, for whatever reason, and then you get in habits of this person says this and I say this and here's our roles. And so to me, uh, helping others find their voice. And then those on the other end, I was, you know, I, I worked a lot with folks on the other end also and, and having them go, these aren't the relationships you want. Well, let's talk about the relationships you want and how we can help you get there and how you can listen and share more, some, some more compassion for the people you work with. All right. So to summarize what we talked about today, 
you have your confidence profile, which tells us where you're at on the confidence continuum. You have the uh, uh, authentic confidence quotient, which really identifies your overconfidence, your underconfidence, or your authentic confidence by your yes. key responsibilities in your role. Yes. And then you have your career confidence guide, which is where you pick one of those areas yes. to, to move to authentic confidence. That's it. All right. So with that being said, here's the last question for you, Ben. If I'm listening to this podcast, what is, what is the greatest uh, recommendation, takeaway that you would give a leader or a team member of any of the organizations that, you know, that we work with, you work with, or that are listening to the podcast? Yeah. Well, step number one, you're not alone. You know, we're, we're dealing with some very interesting, unprecedented times right now. You know, you're seeing people out of work for, for no fault of their own. You're seeing, so what, what I always say to people is we're all in the confidence continuum. No matter where you are, we're all on it. So you're not alone. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're struggling with, you're not alone in that process. And the second piece is, is when you can take one area of your life that's keeping you awake at night and you can't sleep about and you, and you can resolve that one area, that's often the domino. You know, when, you know for you, for example, Steve, when you, when you gain an empathy, right, that's going to be a domino to all sorts of other things. And when I learned how to advocate for myself, and I'm still learning how to do that, and I go, okay, I'm risking myself here. I'm going to say something here. You know, to me, I've, I've learned that, that that risk is so worth it. It's so worth it. It might not be perfect, and we're not going to be perfect in this journey. But when you do that for the first time and you see people react and you're becoming the best version of yourself, uh, to me, that would be my advice is just know that you're not alone. And if once you take the one step, learn one thing to resolve, it will often be a domino to really reshifting the way your career works. Yeah, we have a, we have a statement in our leadership coaching process here that in the team development exercise, especially where, um, you know, everybody's got issues, man. So just put it out there. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. if, if someone tells you that they don't have an issue, that's their first one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, uh, Let's move to speed round, all right? Let's, yeah. uh, let's have a little fun here today uh, with Ben Foskey. Uh, so I got six questions for you in 60 seconds, all right? So yep. what leader you learn, you learn the most from? My grandpa. Okay. Name one thing that's on the top of your bucket list. Uh, playing golf with the Masters. Mm. In the Masters or at the course? Uh, I won't be in it, but I would love to be at it. And I don't care if it's just one swing, like, in the, in the corner someplace just to make one swing there would be fun. Uh, well, I, you're going to do that someday, man. Uh, <laughs> the number one quality that Ben Foskey wants to be remembered for. I, I want to, I want people to remember, to, to remember me that I absolutely was invested and cared about them and their success. I was in the game with them. That's what I want them to feel. One of your greatest passions outside of work. Well, I got to actually a little uh, over here. You can kind of see it. I got a guitar when I wrote, when I wrote the book and finished the book, I made myself a big goal uh, uh, or a big uh, a prize for myself that I was going to buy a guitar. I'm not sure the family loves that one, um, but uh, I am loving, or... it's an acoustic Taylor guitar, which I'm very excited about. I'm not very good. Uh, a little, but I little love, underconfidence I there, buddy. Well, no, it's true. No, no. Part, part is you got to own your pride in your work. When it's not there, you got to own that too, Steve. When <laughs> okay, it isn't right. there, you got to be real. That's a valid point. Valid point. Uh, best business book you ever read? 
Uh, mine right now, I actually just finished it. Rethinking narcissism by Dr. Craig Malkin, a fabulous book. And is, he's actually a mentor of mine, uh, really also talks about the continuum and is doing some great work in this space. Absolutely love it. Finally, your favorite ice cream flavor. Chocolate chip cookie dough, baby, all the way. Chocolate chip cookie dough, especially from Dairy Queen without the hot fudge and a blizzard. Mm. Mm, that's, that does uh, sound I just good. had that's, one the other that's day. That's my favorite flavor, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, thanks a lot for uh, joining us today, Ben, um, taking some of your time to share this concept of authentic confidence. And it makes me think about, um, you know, what areas do I bring overconfidence? What areas do I bring underconfidence? And in what areas am I authentic? And obviously, make, uh, getting to the point where I have more areas where I have authentic confidence, which is what? Pride in my work, but humility in my relationships. Um, that's a really powerful message. Um, so uh, if you enjoyed the show today with Ben, uh, would love some five stars. The, the, to, you can take the free authentic confidence assessment. The link will be in the show notes. Uh, and please, if there's anybody in your organization or in your life that would, uh, you know, gain a lot of value from uh, the content that we talked about today and the authentic confidence model by Ben, uh, please share it with them. Uh, because here at Stop the Vanilla, we want to continue to be a resource for you to achieve your business, your career, and your life goals with the right plan and the right talent. Thank you for listening to the Stop the Vanilla podcast. If today's episode would bring value to someone you know, make sure to pass it on to them. If this podcast has brought you value, make sure you leave a review, helping others find it as well. If you want to receive our content, head over to StopTheVanilla.com and sign up for The Scoop, a weekly email of quick tips on strategy, talent, and leadership. Or download a ton of free resources and templates. Thanks again for tuning in to the Stop The Vanilla podcast where we help you achieve what you want in your business, your career, and your life by having the right plan implemented with the right talent.